Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Church, good to see you guys. So glad you're here today. Let's give God praise that we have health and strength to be in His house today. Give it up to Him. He's a good God. You know, I I don't know where you're at in life, but you know what I do know? God knows where you're at in life. And whether you're tuning in online, you stumbled across it, or maybe you're here all the time in the auditorium, or maybe it's a situation where that because life throwed you some curveballs you didn't see coming, you thought you'd come to church today. I'm glad you're here. Most of all, God's glad you're here. We've been talking about a new year and a fresh start all year. Has God put that on my heart? Because what I love about God is He doesn't hold our past against us. Maybe last year, some things you wished you could forget. Situations happened in relationships or something happened to you in your career or maybe a situation happened to where that You had a loved one that left this world prematurely. Whatever the situation is, just sometimes we'd like to forget. But I'll tell you what God does. God gives us a fresh start. God wants to heal your heart, heal your soul, and heal your mind. Because he's a God of not just second chances, of multiplied thousands of chances. And what I've been talking about is the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. See, we make our decisions, and then our decisions, in essence, make us. What I'm saying by that is the direction of your life is determined by the quality of your decisions. So whenever you base your decisions on God's way, God's will, and God's word, then your decisions will become easier. And so let me ask this question. Do, are you like me? And I'm going to ask you to be very vulnerable. Do you ever feel disappointed sometimes about where you are in life? Raise your hand. I think probably all of us at one point in time. You may have thought things would be different. Things would be better. Or you thought you'd have more of this. Or maybe you're kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum. Maybe you're thinking, man, I've achieved all this. I've done all this, but I still feel empty inside. See, our lives are passing away quickly. And sometimes you may seem like you've achieved what they would call the American dream. And you back up and you begin to analyze your life and you say, wow, is this all there is? Sometimes we want to ask that question. There's got to be something more. Well, that's what I'm going to tell every one of you today. There is something more something a whole lot more. So today we're going to talk about getting close to God. And James, I don't know if you know this, there's five chapters in his book in the New Testament, but James was the stepbrother of Jesus. What that means is that after Jesus was born, the virgin birth of his mother, Joseph and Mary had other kids, and James was one of them. He didn't even believe Jesus was the Son of God until after Jesus rose from the dead. 
But here's something that he said that I want you to embrace this word today. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Come close to God. What is it that keeps us from being close to God? What does James say? It's our sin nature, our divided loyalty, the things that we do that gets in the way of how that God wants to be close to us. And so how do we do this? How do we get rid of that? We have to make a decision that I'm not going to allow any way of sin that is missing the mark to be in my life. I don't want anything to be in my way. I don't, I'm going to ask God for the ultimate cleansing. I want purity of heart. I'm not going to have a divided Christian mind that will keep me from being close to God. So let me ask you this question today to all of you. How many of you want to be closer to God than you've ever been before? Would you lift your hand real high? See, Closeness to God is likeness with God. Let me say that again. Closeness to God is likeness with God. See, the more we're like God, the closer we're going to get. Father in heaven right now, God, I want to pray a special prayer, God. That you do a mighty work in the hearts and souls of everyone today. God, they, I believe that they want to be closer. They wouldn't even be here. I just pray you'd bless each one, God, to seek your face in these moments we share together like never before and richly bless them in Jesus' name as they look into their hearts to have clear hearts and clear minds through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Here's what I want to tell you today. Closeness with God will only come through our devotion to Jesus. That's what it boils down. And when you think about that devotion, when we decide to pray and we receive Jesus as the Lord of our lives, we cry out to him and say, please, Lord, forgive me of the things I've done wrong. And we ask him to come in our hearts and souls and we're born again. Then we single-heartedly devote our lives to Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior, and we're not going to be double-minded. We're not going to let the world that we live in dominate our lives. We're going to have a full devotion to Jesus. But when you think about that full devotion to Jesus, I want you to think about something. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above everything and live righteously. That means righteousness means I'm living in a right relationship with God. So if I seek and give him above everything else, what this world has to offer, that is a that is simply over here. It's out of the way. I'm giving my heart. I'm seeking God with everything I've got. Then I can bank on the fact that he's given me everything that I'll ever need. When you make that decision in your life to seek God by being fully devoted to Jesus, that means that through Jesus Christ, all the things that you're searching for, all the things that you need in your life, that that matters and that makes a difference. God is going to do that for you and he's going to bring you to a fulfillment that you have joy and peace and love through that relationship if you seek God first above all else. But what really as Christ followers, if you're not following Christ yet, you'll have the opportunity today. If you're checking out the claims of God, you couldn't check out 
a greater God than the only God through his son, Jesus Christ. But when it's a devotion to him, here's what we have to think about. After Jesus came to this world, born of his mother in a virgin birth through the power of the Holy Spirit, at the age of 30, he begins to walk around and start his ministry after being baptized in the Jordan to, as an example for you and I, not that he sinned because he never sinned. For three years, he did his ministry. They hated him. And it was through God's plan that he would give his life. But the, when he gave his life on the cross and went through the torture of the six trials and the beatings, the third day, he was raised out of the tomb. And then he spent 40 more days on earth. Over 500 people saw him, and then he ascended back to heaven. But here's what I want you to think about. What did his followers devote their lives to once Jesus ascended back to heaven? The answer is right here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 and 43. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals like many of you love to do in your groups and things like that, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So when you look at these things that the believers devote themselves to, what is the results of that? It says a deep sense of awe came over them all. Did you hear that? Do you hear that? And it says, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. See, they devoted themselves to the things that made them close to their Savior, God through Jesus Christ, seeking the kingdom of God first and all of his righteousness. God added everything else to them so that they could be effective in ministering to other people to make a difference in other people's lives. Imagine these unbelievers that were watching the believers and what was taking place, that their love and their devotion and the miracles that were taking place as they followed Jesus, seeking Jesus and everything they did through the Word, through prayer, through fellowship, through breaking bread. People were looking on, and that's the reason there was a miraculous adding on to the church throughout the book of Acts. See, these disciples had a single-minded, ongoing, hot pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's fast forward to our modern day. What if we looked at the modern day American Christian in the essence of saying verse 42 in Acts chapter 2, if it was written by many Christians by today's culture. Now, I know this is not none of y'all, okay? But we're talking about those other Christians. The, the modern Christian version reads, they devoted themselves to themselves. <laughs> they continually and passionately pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease, a.k.a. casual Christianity. They want to be good people. They want to be liked. They want to be people that are comfortable. They want to be popular on Instagram and on TikTok. They want to be able to finish school and get the degree. They want to marry the hottie. They want to have 2.3 kids, have a BMW and a picket fence in the driveway. They want to raise their kids up. They want to travel the world and then die and go to heaven. I hope most of you are thinking, that's not me, Pastor. I hope it's not you. But just in case. <laughs> there's somebody in here or somebody's watching and that's you what I'd like to do is illustrate it for you see this line here say line let's pretend that this line represents your life in a given week it represents 168 hours because 
Those of you that are great mathematicians, if you take 7 times 24, it comes up to, what's that number? 168 hours. Now, I've done a little research, and I kind of know where I'm going and what I'm going to talk about. So, here's what I know about all of us and when we think about the things that you and I devote our lives to. Are you with me? Say yes. So, right here, we're going to take and draw a line right here, and we're going to say, out of the 168 hours that we've given in a week, we're going to know that about a third is devoted to sleeping. How many of you love sleeping? Raise your hand if you love sleeping. My sleeping, I, my sleeping is anointed. You know why? Because I got a sleep number. Can I get an amen? Man, y'all just, me and my wife puts it on, she puts it on her number. I put it on my number. I can't hardly get out of bed, folks. I love sleeping. You know what I'm saying? That's where a lot of people, they, you know what happens on Sunday morning? The devil strokes people's face. Just keep sleeping. It don't matter what kind of bed you own, just keep sleeping. And they don't show up. <laughs> you know, but we, we, we spend a third of our life, that is about 56 hours sleeping. Now, what is it that we do the other third of the time here? What is it that we do here? This other third, what is it? It's either working, that's right, or it's in a situation where that you're going to School. So there you go. So you're going to spend another 56 hours here going to school or working. That's what you do. Well, then you have how many hours left for the mathematicians in the house? 56 more hours here. Now, I'm going to ask this question, and I want you to be honest. And I believe you will because you're in the house of the Lord. If you don't, he might call fire down on you like he did in the Scripture, but I hope he doesn't, that you wouldn't lie in the house of the Lord. But anyway, I want to ask this question, just be honest. How many of you here, and here the whole thing I'm going to ask, how many of you here are on social platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or LinkedIn? Raise your hand if you're on one of those platforms. Most of everybody are. So did you know, as the last stats it was able to pull, there's, and I know they're subjective, but most people that's on those platforms, you know how many hours they spend a week on those platforms? Try this. They spend about... 17 hours a week on social media platforms. Wow. But then after that, how many hours is left here? So we got about 39 hours left. And out of that 39 hours, we're going to call it other stuff. You say, what do you mean other stuff? I got to get my girls to gymnastics. I got to get my boys to, to practice. I've got to go out and wash my car. I got to fill my car up with gas. I got to take the dog to the vet. I got to try to clean house. I got to try to cook supper. I've got to take care of things in the yard. And on and on and on and on and on. And so what happens to this situation when you're using up these hours out of those 39 hours left? There's got to be something else. It's got to go in here. What that could be? Any ideas? Anything at all? Man, maybe it's out of the mouth of babes here. About an hour comes to God. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I give a whole lot more than an hour to God. I believe that. But you know what? In our day, in our life, and where that we are living at, some are not even given the hour. And let me say this to you. 
If you don't, give more than an hour to God. You're not going to be able to improve. You're not going to be able to grow. You're not going to be able to have a significant relationship with God because this is most people's week. Are you with me? Say yes. So with that being said, you think about exercising. Now, when it comes to exercising, if you only exercise one hour or less a week and you decide that you're going to just eat anything you want to, whether it's the sugar or the fried foods, whatever it is you like, if that's your life and you do that, you're not going to be at peak performance in your health. Think about your relationship when it comes to your spouse. You spend all that time to get together with one another, and then if you only spend an hour or less with uninterrupted conversation with your spouse, you're probably not going to have the dream marriage that you would like to have. Maybe it's a situation where that you're in school and, and whether you're trying to, to be able to graduate high school or you're trying to graduate college, whatever it is, if you're only given a, an hour or less of study a week, you're not going to graduate in the top of your class. You're not going to have that great GPA. You're not going to be able to have when it comes to getting cum, cum laude and graduate with that. And you can say, thank the laude that I was able to do it. If you don't give more than an hour a week, probably not going to happen. And that's the same way if you're just partially devoted to God. You only spend a little time with God because a little time with God is easy. A little time with God is convenient. There's nothing better to do. No wonder people fall back into their old sinful habits. No wonder people rarely tell others about Jesus or share their faith. No wonder people worry more about what people think than what God thinks. No wonder people are in a situation where they find themselves as a lukewarm, casual Christian. You know what God does with lukewarm people? It said in Revelation to the letters to the churches. He'll spew you out of his mouth. That is, you're making God sick. So, if you want to live a life fully devoted to Jesus, it's just not going to be something, listen to me, that's going to happen accidentally. You're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden be a powerhouse like Elijah to be able to call fire down from heaven to those that are not living for God. You're not going to be a powerhouse and your, your dog gets hit by a car and you go over and lay hands on him instead of going to bed and you pray for him. Woo! Fido's running around. I healed him in the name of Jesus and he's good. Look at him. That's just not going to happen. Wow. you got to decide that you are going to live with an ongoing, single-minded relationship with God so that you're not double-minded, split between the world and God. So how in the world do we live a life fully devoted to Jesus? How do we do that? If you look in John's gospel, and you can turn there, or you can turn on there, or, or in the app if you want to follow along, but in John's gospel, chapter 15, I picture Jesus like this, that he's beside a vineyard, and he begins to talk in a way that they could understand in this parable of the vineyard. Jesus never taught unless he used stories and illustrations. So as we start, start on this, I want to read beginning from verse 1 of John's gospel, chapter 15. It says, I am the true grapevine, 
and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. What does this mean? Basically he's saying he cuts away the dead, the diseased part, because if he doesn't cut it off, it could infect the rest of the tree. Are you allowing anyone to infect your life that's making your Christian walk fruitless? But also, he talks about here that God loves us so much that he wants to prune us so that we will bear more fruit for his glory. So, therefore, we don't, have, we, we don't like being pruned, though, see? It hurts if we avail ourselves to the Lord and say, prune the things out of my life that's keeping me from bearing more fruit. How does God prune us? He wants to do that through us giving our lives to him, surrendering to him, living in his righteousness, trying to be holy, letting him convict us through the power of the Holy Spirit, letting him convict us through the, the red word and the word in our lives and be able to cleanse us. But a lot of times we don't like to be pruned ourselves. The problem is, here's where most people are. How many of you know someone you'd like to prune? They might be sitting beside you. You want to prune somebody, see? But we don't like giving ourselves to God in order for God to prune us. Look what it says here. It says, in verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So these that he was talking to said, you have been pruned by the message that I'm giving you. But I'm going to read verse 4. And then there's a word that's in John's gospel, chapter 15. This word is in there in the New Living Translation 10 times. I want you to see if you can pick the word out when I read verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. What is the word there? What is it? Remain. Remain is in this chapter 10 times. The Greek word remain from the word meno means abide. It means to live in. It means to dwell within. It isn't just a one-hour duty a week to God, to God. I've got to go to church. No, no, no. It's being fully devoted, all in, devoted to Jesus Christ, to the one who matters most. He gave his life for us. And so let's just state the obvious. The branch needs the vine. That's what it boils down to. Look in the fifth verse. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If you're here today and you have an identity issue as a Christian, let me tell you what you are. You're a branch. Look at the person next to you and say, if you're a Christian, say, you're a branch. You're a branch. Jesus is the vine. We're Branches. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? When Jesus is the vine and we are the branch and we're connected to him, the vine, that's when we will produce spiritual fruit. Do you follow what I'm saying? Say yes. Matter of fact, the spiritual fruit that we produce talks about that. Paul did to the church of Galatia in chapter 5, verse 22, in the first part of verse 23. Look what it says. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. 
That's what we end up producing. These are the character traits when you're living connected as a branch to the vine. It's the nature of Jesus Christ. We are the branches, and we must know Him, love Him, remember Him on a continual basis, and imitate Him in all the things that we're doing. And when we do, that only happens when we are connected to Him as the vine. What a fulfilled life that we can have and the fruit that we can bear when we as his branches are doing that. Otherwise, our lives will be empty. It starts when you and I make that decision that we are going to be connected to him in such a way that our life matters. What we're doing is going to outlast this world. And if you don't stay connected to Divine Jesus Christ, nothing more than a dead limb. Dead limbs making up dead churches. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? You lose your life source. You don't get the spiritual nutrients that you need. You don't have what it takes to bear fruit. And in your life, when you, something hits you between the eyes and life's going to, you're going to break so much easier. So Jesus is the vine and you are the branch. Look at the person next to you and say, be the branch. Look back to the other and say, you too. So what do we do? I will seek God first by being devoted to Jesus. I will seek God first by being devoted to Jesus. you got to make a decision. I'm going to be devoted to Jesus no matter what. Because once again, the quality of your decisions will always determine the quality of your life. We make our decisions and our decisions end up making us. Because our decisions that will always determine the direction you're going to go in your life. And then the direction ends up being the destiny that's fulfilled in your life. So today, I'm going to share with you something that should be pretty well in a sense of practicality. But most people, I think, from what I've read and what I've seen and the people I've talked to, this whirlwind of life snuffs it out. So today I want to talk about how our devotion to Jesus should be. First and foremost, I need to be devoted in a time to Jesus. I need to be devoting that time to Jesus. You say, what do you mean? Any great relationship has to have time. Do y'all agree with that? That's like me and my wife. We go out to eat. And you know the funniest thing when I go out to eat, this is just, and you guys see it too. You go out to eat and you see people and you'll see couples and you'll think, man, they're, they're here and they're having dinner together. But you know what they're doing? They got their phones out and both of them are on their phones. They're not even looking at each other. They're just on their phone, scared they're going to miss something. FOMO, 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 FOMO. Fear they're going to miss out on something. You know what they're missing out on each other? That's why I, 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 did, I, I, I took care of that a long time ago. You say, how? It's called hot tub. <laughs> Man, I'm not kidding you. Me and my wife get in the hot tub every morning. We get up at like 5 o'clock, and we're out there in the hot tub, and one thing it doesn't mix good with water, it's called an iPhone. And for those of you that have a Samsung, now I don't have Samsung, nothing against you Samsung, but 
Water and iPhones don't mix, church. So we sit in that hot tub for close to an hour, face to face, talking to one another without interruptions. Now, if I had the money, I'd buy all of you a hot tub. For those of you that's married, I promise you, that's what made the difference in my marriage because when you devote your time to your spouse, you and your spouse don't get tired of each other. You're focusing on the other, the other centered. And let me tell you something. When you begin to focus on Jesus this way and you spend time with Jesus like that, your relationship's going to go to the next level because so many times a great relationship with Jesus that's not happening, you know when you get focused on Jesus when life happens? It's called bookshelf Christianity. You pull him off the shelf. You don't mess with him and be devoted with him till you need him. Some of you right now, you're in a different season. You've got kids and you're raising kids. Been there, done that. Boom, got the trophy. I'm an empty nester. Can I get a witness? Anyway, let me tell you something. That season's going to end fast. It is. I'm telling you, it's, it's flying by. You might have to get up before your kids get up. Get up a little early. Spend time. Say, this is my time with God. And you know what? <laughs> It's going to make all the difference in the world. Maybe you're in a situation where that you just need to grab that coffee there and just during that coffee time, sit and spend time with God. Spend time with God. Maybe you need to be able to have a time before you go to the gym. You're not all that. You know what I'm saying? You go to the gym, everybody wants to work out, flex their muscles and all that. It's a great thing to do to take care of your health. Take care of your health, but spiritual health needs to come for your physical health. Whatever it needs to be done. Maybe it's a situation where that you need to do it in the morning. Some of you thinking, dude, I ain't getting up at 5 o'clock. You can forget that. <laughs> maybe not, but maybe you need to do it at nighttime. Whatever it may be. But you got, I'm devoting a time to Jesus. But also, I'm devoting a place for Jesus. I can tell you, my home, here's Shanda's prayer chair. Over here's mine. It's our place. Spend time with God. Figure out where your place is going to be. And you say, what do you mean, Pastor? Think about this. If it's a back porch, maybe you are in a season with the kids. And you have to go to the bathroom and lock the door. And they're sticking their little fingers underneath the door. You just go ahead and have your time with God, however long that is. Right? That's what you end up doing. And what's important about it, maybe some of you, you drive. A lot. How many of you drive on commute to work more than an hour? Raise your hand. Yes, that is a great time. If you have to get there and you got to get up early, you can be on your commute with God, whatever it is. But don't make excuses that you can't find a place for him. Many of you, how many of you, have you ever heard of the name Susanna Wesley? How many of you ever heard of that name? Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the one that started the Methodist movement. His brother wrote a whole lot of hymns. She had 19 children, nine of them, if my memory serves me correctly, died in infancy. So she had 10 children in like a one-room house. You know where her place was? It was in her apron. And she let her kids know that when your mama has her apron over her head, you don't bother me. That's my place, and that's my time with God. If she can do it with 10 kids, what's our excuse? So you have a time that you are devoting to Jesus. You have a place that you are getting for Jesus. It's very important that you understand that. But also, I'm devoting a plan with Jesus. I mean, think about it. Have you got a plan that you're reading the Word of God on a consistent basis? Do you have that 52-week mindset that 
God is not just here, but he's in all of this to a degree. Have you got that plan in your life to where that you have a prayer journal? You simply write down the things you're praying for, and then you watch. It's amazing as you watch that prayer journal. When God answers it, you put it over in a praise column and you write it down. That's amazing. It's amazing to see the hand of God work in your prayer journal. Maybe it's a situation where that you're a worshiping person. You love turning on worship music and you praise God, whether it's in your car or you listen to a podcast and you're crying out to God for God to be with you and to give him praise and honor and glory. What is your plan? What is your plan? Right Now Media here at the church. How many of you here at the church use Right Now Media that we offer you? Raise your hand. Only just a few of you, man, you are so missing out. All you got to do is take your phone out, hit the QR code on the back of your seat, go on the link tree, look for Right Now Media. It is a huge amount of all kinds of resources for you to have devotions for yourself, devotions for men, women, husbands, wives, devotional things that you can teach your children, a lot of things there. And don't miss out on this great way that we're giving to you free of charge so you can have it. Scan it, get on it. If you don't have a scanner, just hey, just get go come over to next steps and we'll help you to be able to do that. We have to have a time, we have to have a place, we have to have a plan in order to be able to get close to God because these 168 hours a week are going to get swept away by a whole lot of things that's happening in our lives. And whenever you begin seeking Jesus first, something begins to happen. She's doing it again. Shut up, Siri. Whenever you began to seek the Lord Jesus Christ, your heart begins to change. Your desires soon become different. Next thing you know, instead of just talking to God, you hear from God. You begin to have a sense that Wow, he's directing my steps. He's speaking to my heart through his word and through his wisdom and through his way. I'm seeking Jesus first. Your spiritual posture begins to change in your life because he can starts to convict you of the things that he doesn't want in your life, such as sin, and you're not sinning as much as you did. You're trying your best to move away from that. All of a sudden, you're nice. <laughs> Some of you, that's great. You're loving. You become generous. You don't get upset and mad as quick as you used to. And people around you begin to notice they are different. Matter of fact, they're weird. Did you see that? They smiled at me. Wow. They opened the door for me. They didn't get upset over that contract that we didn't get. You see, God does something amazing. The closer we get to him, the more we are of him. Because in your life, you've decided God doesn't get what's left over. I'm not going to be a God. I'm not going to serve a God to where he's going to be a part-time God in my life. You know what's going to be? God is your life. Come on, church. God is your life. It's everything. He is all of it. From beginning to end, you're devoted. You're seeking Jesus first in all that you do, impacting every single part of your life. 
God is leading you in your daily decisions. God is leading you when it comes to your spiritual walk with Him. God is leading you relationally. He's leading you physically. He's leading you emotionally. He's leading you professionally. He is a God that's with you when you're at work. He's a God that's with you when you're making decisions. He's a God that's helping you how you steward the very finances that He gives you. He's a God that's helping you to invest Jesus in your parenting. He's a God who is helping you in every facet of your life because you're talking to God and you're listening to God and you're a person that's allowing God to align your heart with that which outlasts this world and it doesn't get any better than that. You don't have to worry about being just a dead branch. You're connected. You're connected. And you're realizing your life lasts far beyond this physical life. I don't know about you, but, and, and I'll tell you this, last year for me was probably one of the most emotional years that I've ever had. I started off the year last year having surgery and that was tough wearing something for a month and and then during that time I got COVID again at the same time I got COVID one of my friends dear friend of mine 47 years old lost his life to COVID you know how the enemy tries to do uh, his wife called me wanted me to be a pallbearer and because I had COVID I couldn't even go couldn't even attend the funeral. Coming out of COVID and trying my best to lead our church as best I can. Then my mother, all of a sudden, I'm at Sunday morning, May 27th. Aunt Trudy calls me and says she finds her dead in the bathroom. So you deal with those kind of things. And then another good friend of mine. His son, and I shared this back last summer, his son facing liver failure, 40 years old. He says, Dad, I want to talk to Pastor T. So we have an hour conversation on a Sunday evening. They'd only given him 48 hours to live, and I talked to him like I would talk to you right now. If we had an hour conversation, Tuesday evening he was gone. We went on into the fall. It just felt like so many of our church family and other people that I know passed away. And, and many of you lost loved ones. It's, it felt like to me I spent more time going to the funeral homes than I did going to my own home. But you know, what I have figured out is the older that I get, the more I think about the other side is that you never know when you're going to check out. I don't know, you don't know. Death comes to the young, the old, the healthy, the sick. But it's all about knowing where you're going to check in in eternity. So I began to think about these things, and it shook me to the core, church, that there's a sense of urgency that you and I evaluate right now. We evaluate our lives. We look at what we believe. We look at what matters. We look at what lasts. And you know what we do? We devote our lives to that. 
We devote our lives to that. I don't want to be a person that is selfish. I don't want to be a person that's self-centered. I don't want to be a person that's all about comfort and ease in this life. I want to stay connected to Jesus, and I don't want to be a dead limb and a dead branch away from Jesus that's ineffective for his glory. You're never going to be devoted to Jesus by accident. You have to decide now. Jesus doesn't deserve our leftovers. He does not. You got to seek the one that matters most. You got to give him a time. You got to give him a place. You got to give him a plan. And the moment you start, listen to me, you're going to have resistance. You're going to have distractions that's going to come at you. I promise you that will happen to you. And the devil's going to throw every reason at you to quit. You just say, get behind me, Satan. You might tell me about my past, but you tell Satan about his future. <laughs> tell him about his future. He's got a place in hell and say, I'm not going there with you. I am devoted to Jesus. I'm devoted to Jesus. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Be the branch. Seek the kingdom of God first. That's what matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. He's not a part of my life. God is in your life. Stand with me as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you praising and honoring your holy name. Thanking you, God, that today I believe that all of these people want to be closer to you than ever before. And the time is now for such a time as this. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless each one, that you will help each one, God, to be fully devoted to you for those that want to be closer to you. Right now, those of you that want to be closer to Jesus than you've ever been before, lift your hand right now all across this auditorium. I want to be closer to God than I've ever been before. Father, in Jesus' name, we're about to have a time of praying and seeking you, Lord, and we're going to open up this front for people just to step out of their comfort zones and step out, God, and come and say, God, I want to be close to you. We can't find a greater place than in your house to pray and ask for that. So we ask that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just come right on and pray. I'm inviting you, church. Come right on and pray. Say, I want to be close to God, closer than I've ever been. Just come right on. Are y'all grateful for a shepherd that loves us and leads us and pours the truth of God's love in our hearts today? Amen. I know I am very much. I want to take just a quick moment to introduce something we're about to do. Before I do that, I want to let you guys know a quick reminder. February 19th, again, that's February 19th. Not only are we going to have our Next Steps luncheon, so if you're new to the church or if you're new-ish or if you just haven't got to talk to us much and you want to know more about how the church was formed, ways we can get you plugged in, serving, to be served, discipled, whatever, our Next Steps luncheon is the one to come to. That's happening on February 19th. Also on the 19th is baptism. So if you want to know more about that, if you've asked Christ into your heart and you want to let the rest of the world know that something big has changed, it is the day to do it. So come see us. Let us know about that. And before I release you, we're about to take up our offering. Now, here's the cool thing about the offering. You go to a lot of places, they ask for money, you know, they ask for circum, you know, whatever it is you're facing or whatever it is you're dealing with, we're constantly being advertised to, right? We are in the most marketed to generation in the history of anything. But it's not always do you get to see the fruit of what you're putting money into. Not always do you get to see the benefit of what. We got a photo I wanna go ahead and show up. This young man, his name is Lil Tony, right? Lil Tony Pooley. This young man, Wednesday before last, gave his heart and life to Jesus. His name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Last Wednesday night, similarly, we had another young man invite Christ into their heart. Guys, God is moving. When you give to Freedom Church, right, when that becomes a part of your tithe and how you work in your obedience to God, this is what it is going toward. We pour into these young people. We had a meeting with our adult leaders for our youth group. Man, we are loving these students. We're pouring into them, discipling them one-on-one, getting them set up with Bibles they don't have to pay for. We are making sure that it's not just two hours on a Wednesday night, but it's throughout the entire week. We're showing up to games, showing up to birthday parties, uh, all kinds of different stuff, man. We are pouring into the lives of these young people because we know that it is by their faithfulness that an entire generation uh, is gonna be changed, amen? And we wanna see that happen. We're not content to be the seeds that fall on shallow ground and then get swallowed up by the world outside of this place. We're investing in them in the Thursday through Tuesday, right? It's not just Wednesday nights. We love our young people and they are doing amazing, powerful, wonderful things for the kingdom. That's worth investing in, amen? I'm so grateful for that. I wanna pray over our offering, pray over you guys for this week and then y'all can be dismissed. Man, I'm so excited. Thank you guys for being a part of what God's doing. Heavenly Father, we love you so, so much. And I'm so grateful that you don't need our money. The church doesn't need our money. This is simply an act of obedience, what you've encouraged us to do. But God, thank you so much for the satisfaction in knowing that that gift, that offering, that tithe goes to further the kingdom. It is growing the kingdom, not just in some distant land where we may not see, in our own city, in our own town, in our own communities, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to give and to see that growth take place. May we give faithfully. May you take what we give and multiply it to do much good for the kingdom so that an entire generation no longer renting the faith of their parents would take ownership, step forward and share the truth of the gospel with their peers and with the generations to come. We love you. We thank you. We stand excited for what you are doing. And we ask that you would bless us and keep us throughout this week that we could come back together and continue being the family of God. In Christ Jesus' name, all God's men and women said, amen. Have a wonderful week, you guys. We love y'all.